You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. It takes the same energy to cheerlead as it does to nag. But both have very, very different results. The same energy to nag is the same energy to cheerlead. And uh, many, many years ago, Leanne and I were, were fighting. I'd come back from a Chargers game, and, uh, and I thought, man, there is something wrong with me. I need to be out on the altar call again next week because as much as I enjoyed the game, I really enjoyed the cheerleaders. <laughs> and I'm like, I need to go on the altar call and get saved. And then the Holy Spirit starts, you know, how, you know, how many people know he starts doubling down? And I'm like, repenting, I'm like, you're right, Holy Spirit, I'm just a, a lusty, I need to get on the altar call, I need to probably have some deliverance. And he's like, do you know why you, you like the, che-? I'm like, yeah, probably, you know, long legs, short skirts, that's probably what it is. He's like, no. He says, no, every man longs for it, because did you notice how they were cheering even when the Chargers were losing? They didn't start nagging when they were losing, they were still cheering when the other team was first and goal in, and we were behind on points and the cheerleaders were still cheering. They were cheering when they were winning and they were cheering when they were losing. Didn't matter which, which half the ball was in, the cheerleaders were cheering. And so I had this beautiful conversation with, with my wife and it was amazing how everything began to shift. It was just an adjustment. There, there is nothing that, that, that is... Uh, There is nothing that that is valuable to her heart that I don't want to hear, that is is unimportant to me, and that I don't want to to make happen. Whether it's, you know, a leaking pipe or weeds in the garden or I think the sprinklers are broken and this thing or I need you to put this hook up and hang a mirror in your daughter's room. Whatever it is is important, but there's two ways to go about it. And uh, you need to understand that you have an outstanding, outstanding pastor in Katie Yeager. Amen. That's enough. Oh gosh. Look at that. The time is flying. This is one of my favorite messages. Uh, I don't, I can't remember what um, the title is. So throw the title up so I can remember what it is. There it is. Stormproof, a stormproof culture. Completely forgot. Sent it away on Thursday. Forgot what it is. I forgot to write it down. But come with me to, to the book of Mark, Mark chapter four, verse 35. Mark chapter four, verse 35 says this, it says, on the same day when evening had come, on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. Then they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And then a giant windstorm arose, and the waves began to beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing Jesus arose Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still immediately there was a great calm how many people enjoyed that scene in hero wasn't that a powerful scene immediately there was a great calm and the disciples said to one another who can this be Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
that even the wind and the sea obey him. He rebukes him. Why are you so fearful <coughs> that you have no faith? Anyway, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. Lord, and I thank you, Lord God, as, as we lean into a, a storm-proof culture, let from this passage powerful points come out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's a few things in the story. This is one of my favorite stories because Jesus takes them over a, a, a lake. He takes them over a sea through a storm to the other side. Sometimes, sometimes you will hear a word in church. You will get a prophetic word in church. You're going to have a baby and then all of a sudden there's this bleeding. Uh, you're going to be healed. And then the doctor's report says the, the, the tumor has become more aggressive, not less. You, you're going to get a word that you're going to, to run for off and then you've got to deal with. Can I just tell you that, that, that the God that you and I serve is not a God whose word only works in fair weather. The, the, his, word, his word works in the midst of storms. The, the, the God doesn't say, listen, I would have done that, but I had no idea there was a storm coming. I want you to know the God that you and I serve is a God that gets you to the other side. He's a God that fulfills His promises. He's a God that fulfills His Word. He's a God that fulfills His Word. And so I want to speak to you today just a few points that we can draw out of this because God wants to get you to the other side. Right now, 2020 may have you know, had a negative impact on your finances. 2020 may had a negative impact on relationships, on family, on, on your belief system, on your faith. There may have been loss. There may have been grievances. Right now, you may be struggling with an addiction. I was at the um, the recovery group on Thursday night, and, and it was so beautiful to see over 100 people who had received breakthrough and deliverance and freedom because of how brutal it was in 2020. The number one common denominator on, on Thursday night was I noticed that as human beings, we, we have a proclivity to self-medicate. To self-medicate, we'll, 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 go, we'll go to alcohol, we'll go to gambling, we'll go to, uh, you know, something illicit, we'll, we'll go to drugs, we'll, all kinds of things people were dabbling in or, or using to try and numb the pain or take away the pain, but none of it helped. It only brought more pain, it only brought more misery, it only brought more bondage, more destruction. Jesus Christ is the one that sets us free. Somebody say Amen. So in this story, Jesus says, let us cross over to the other side. I want you to know whatever you're facing today, whatever you're walking through today, Jesus has another side. He has another side. He wants to get you to the other side of bankruptcy. He wants to get you to the other side of foreclosure. He wants you to get to the other side of, man, we, we, we lost our deposit for a home. He wants to get you to the other side. We can't seem to get a home. He wants to get you to the other side. We've had five miscarriages and we can't. He wants to get you to the other side of a negative doctor's report. Jesus Christ will take you to the other side. So the Bible says, now when they had left the multitude behind, the first thing to get to the other side is, number one, you've got to leave the multitude. To leave the multitude, the multitude is just a Bible word for crowd. It's the Bible word for crowd. It's the, it means popular opinion. It means the status quo. One of the things that upsets people when they come to awaken is, how come you're different in here than out there? And there's a reason that out there, people are jacked up. And the reason that jacked up people come in here and get delivered is because we run counterculture. We put the word first, and then what the world thinks, a distant second. 
They left the multitude. You've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision that you're not going to live according to what is the popular opinion. Survey says you're going to make a decision to live not on what the experts are saying, but you're going to live according to what God's Word says. It was God's Word that rescued me on a beach. So I just have, I don't care. There can be a 10,000 people saying, nay, nay, nay. If the Bible says yay, then I'm going with the Word of God. Somebody say amen. Let me just say this, people that follow the crowd, it never ends well. It, it, may, be, it may be easier because popular opinion, but we used to do a prank when I was in high school. We used to do a prank in high school where, where just for the fun of it, as the new students would, would come into high school, we, we would get three or four of us and we'd point to the corner of, of one of the, the school buildings and we just start laughing. <laughs> like this. And, and, and these new students would, would, would be coming in, these freshmen, and they'd be walking past and they... And there's, there's nothing up there. There's nothing going on, but we'd all be... <laughs> and you see them go... Nobody up there. But people just, the, do you know how many people live their whole life following the crowd? At some point, you've got to draw a line in the sand and step out from the crowd, step out from popular opinion, step out from what everyone else is saying. Well, everybody else is thinking, you've got to make a decision that I'm actually going to align up with the Word of God. This was the first test in my life, the first test in my life, where when I told my dad that I was a Christian and was sitting at the dinner table and he said, ah, it's just a phase you're going through, it's just a phase. But I knew, I knew what Christ had done in my heart. I, I knew the impact, I knew the reality of the, the, the encounter that I had when I was born again. And I said to dad, I said, dad, let me just tell you, it's, this is not a phase I'm going through. I know that Jesus Christ is so real. In fact, I know just already the transformation that I've experienced in my life. I want you to know I would die for Jesus Christ. And he stood up at the dinner table and punched me in the face. The chair went back. I'm on the ground. And he stood over me and he said, don't you ever speak like this in my house again. So I had two choices there. Do I, do I go back to popular opinion? Do I go back to following the, the, the mess and the dysfunction of the philosophy and the atheism that he grew up with? Or do I take a beating and stick with the truth of the Word of God? I want you to know I chose the latter and I'm glad I did because now I can honor my father. There's been healing and restoration there. Not only that, but I'm married to the most beautiful woman on planet earth. We have four magnificent kids. We have campus is exploding. It's, it's God doing it. We're surrounded by the greatest people. I'm telling you, build your life on the Word of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word endureth forever. Make a decision today that I'm going to be a Word Christian, that if God says it, I believe it, and that settles it. God is looking for people who will leave the multitude behind. And then it says this. It says, and leaving the multitude behind, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. 
When I first got saved, people would say to me, hey, you know, because I was getting all these people saved, they would say, hey, well, what church do we go to? What church do we go to? And I'd get people asking me, hey, well, how, how do we find a good church? How do we find a good church? And it was a really good question. I didn't have an answer. Because I was going to Wollongong Church of Christ, and that's where I met my Liani, but I knew that not all Wollongong, all Church of Christ weren't like this one. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, like, what do I tell these people? And he says, real simple. I said, it is. He says, yeah. He says, tell them to go to a church where they see Jesus. If you go to a church and you see the miracles of Jesus that he did and they're no longer here, I'd probably look for another church. If you go to, to a church and, and you don't see the empowerment that Jesus brought, the grace that Jesus brought, the truth that Jesus brought, the love that Jesus, then I'd keep shopping until you go to a church where you can see Jesus Christ. My number one goal in church is that the same Jesus that walked in the Gospels is the same Jesus that people encounter. I want you to know that His power has not waned. He can still heal. He can still deliver. He can still transform. He can, still, he can still impact, he can still receive, he can still love, he can still, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. So the Bible says they took him, they took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him. And I like reading in pictures. So I'm like the, the, the disciples in their boat and they've got Jesus in the boat and there was other little boats. It's like a little boat fellowship. It's like a boat connect group. They're all out there on their boats. And I'm reading it going, oh my gosh, God, it's like church. <laughs> Look at it. And the Holy Spirit says to me, jerks, jerks, how many boats made it through the storm? I'm like, it doesn't even matter. It's just beautiful. He's like, no, no, it's important. How many boats made it through the storm to the other side? I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, don't ruin it. It's just it's like they're fellowshipping, you know, all the other little boats. And, and uh, you know, there's one guy going, Peter, Pete, Pete is me, Stuart. That's Peter. We went to, we went to, is that Jesus? Oh my God, Jesus. And Peter's like, yeah, it's Jesus. And they're all fellowshipping. But the Holy Spirit kept doubling down. He's like, no, no, this is really important. How many boats made it to the other side? Does, does anybody know how many? Only one. Do, do you know which one? The one that had Jesus in it. Do you know what that means? That means you've got to make sure Jesus is in your boat. You're going to make, because watch this, because a lot of people, a lot of people when they come into church, they're just content to be around where Jesus is. Jesus is in a boat. We got a boat too. We look like a Christian. We talk like a Christian. Greetings and salutations, brethren. Blessed and highly favored. Hallelujah. Oh, we can look like a Christian, talk like a Christian, walk like a Christian. Sing like a Christian, I'm too sexy for my church, too sexy for my... However, we sing like Christians. So I don't, know whether, I don't know whether they drowned. I don't know whether they turned back. All I know is they didn't make it to the other side. And let me tell you why most Christians or most people don't let Jesus in their boat, why they prefer to just be close to Jesus, be around Jesus, be around church. The only boat that made it to the other side was the one that had Jesus in it. But Jesus in it comes with a price. See, the disciples were experienced men of the sea. They were fishermen. 
they understood the sea. Jesus was the son of a carpenter. But do not be mistaken, when he stepped on board, he became skipper. When he stepped on board, he became captain. And most people are content to be around where Jesus is because they want to wear the captain hat of their life. I wore the captain hat in for 18 years and my life was a freaking mess. But when I gave Jesus captaincy, when I said, Jesus, you be the skipper, I'll be the first mate. Aye, aye, sir. My life took make sure Jesus is in your boat make him the skipper of your life and he'll get you through the storm to the other side someone say amen all right all right all right all right so then the, then then the Bible says then a windstorm arose a windstorm arose so great that it began to beat in the boat so the boat was filling with water from the waves and they were in danger of drowning can I just tell you that you've got to hang in there through storms. When you become a Christian, there, there will still be moments of storms. In fact, I have discovered in 35 years of following this Jesus Christ that He doesn't prevent the storms. He doesn't take away the storms. No, no one has a testimony. And ever since I gave my life to Jesus, it's like, it's like pixie dust. I just like, tiptoe through the tulips. I've actually found that God intentionally goes to sleep in the stern, in the back of the boat, on a pillow while I'm facing wind and waves. And I'm like, what is he? Like the disciples, why would God... It was his idea in the first place to come to San Diego. This was, it was his idea to cross to the other side. You think he would have at least had a, had a talk with the weather patterns and the weather systems. I mean, he's meant to know everything. Surely he knew there was a job. God will allow you to go through storms. The storms are not designed to sink you. The storms are designed to put faith inside of you, to awaken faith to awaken resilience, to awaken strength, to awaken courage. The Christian life is not a life of ease, but it is a life of power. It is a life of purpose. It is a life of destiny. You will find that every great testimony, every great testimony you will ever hear began with a test. You cannot have a testimony without a test. God is testing your faith. Not because Mike says, because God doesn't know. He wants you to know the greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. So God takes us through the storms. He takes us through the storms to awaken something. And let me tell you what He awakens because the Bible says, the Bible says in the midst of the storm, they went and they awoke Him. And they said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? In other words, Jesus, we need your hands. There are 12 of us bailing water, but the water coming in is coming in at a greater volume than we are able to dismiss that water, displace that water. We need an extra set of hands. But Jesus Christ doesn't pick up a, a bucket and start bailing Jesus instead, the Bible says, and when Jesus arose, he spoke to the wind and said to the waves, peace be still. And immediately there was a great calm. I, 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 I got to be honest with you. I love having Jesus in my boat. 
Because when Jesus is in my boat, stormproof. When Jesus is in my boat, stormproof. There is not a storm. There's not a storm that can hit my boat that vexes him. There's not a storm that hits my life that phases him. He, he, he's asleep in a storm that has experienced men of the sea terrified. And he just speaks, peace be still. The God that you and I serve, if you choose to lose the facade the pretend, the, the, the religiosity. And if you'll make a decision, I will pay the price. Jesus, forgive me. I've been captain of my life, but I'm going to make you skipper. The, the, the power of Jesus Christ in your boat makes you storm-proof. I've been through storms, storms of sickness, storms of negative doctor's diagnoses over my daughter, storms of, of an elder son struggling eight years with, with one of the most uh, obscene and horrific addictions to heroin. And we had negative report after negative report. But you know what? I never let go of the fact that I had Christ in my boat. I, 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 knew, I knew who the skipper was and I knew who first mate was. And I'm telling you something that all you got to do is learn to awaken him. Awakening Jesus. The Bible says, then they awoke him and said to him, do you not care? How many people know we have a God that cares? But we're in the midst of a storm. It can seem like God doesn't care. When you get that negative report from the doctors, it seems like God doesn't care. When, when you put your third or fourth offer on a house and, and somebody else beats you again and they went over the asking price, it can seem, where is my breakthrough? Where is my breakthrough? But these guys, they knew they awoke him. Awoke him is prayer. I love that on Tuesday mornings at 5.30 a.m., there's a prayer meeting for men in here to get your prayer on. There's a prayer meeting for the ladies. Is it Thursdays? Tuesdays as well? There's a prayer meeting for the ladies here. Because let me tell you, the most powerful thing that you can do is awaken God. Did you know, did you know that the devil trembles when even the weakest Christian prays? The devil trembles when even the weakest Christian prays. You may say, well, you know, they're, 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 they're Christian. He, he hasn't even been through DNA. He doesn't even know that there are two Testaments, an Old Testament and a New Testament. But the devil trembles when even the weakest Christian prays. Why, why would the devil tremble? Like he hardly knows any Scripture. He's just a brand new baby Christian. Why would the Because it's not the Christian praying that frightens the devil. But it's the God to whom that Christian prays that frightens and vexes the devil because he knows if he responds to this cry, if he responds to this prayer, it is over. The devil works on discouragement. He doesn't want you to get a prayer life. See, some people have a prayer time or a prayer hour, but what we really need is a prayer life. That's why the first gift, Jesus says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem till you receive power. And when he, how did power arrive? The sound of a rushing mighty wind from heaven divided tongues as of fire and they all began to speak in languages that they did not understand or had not learned why would that be power because it's a power of a prayer language he says this is where all my power came from Matthew 17 Jesus goes up onto a mountain and he is transfigured on the mountain 
down there, there's a man with a demonized child. The demon throws the child into the fire, into the water. This little boy has got burns all over his body. So many times he's been resuscitated, almost drowned. This, this has been devastating, destructive for the family. Jesus comes down from the mountain and the man comes kneeling before him, says, please, Lord, help my son. He is demonized. This thing grips him, throws him into the fire, throws him into the water. I don't know if I'm at work. I'm, I'm nervous because I don't know if today's the day where I get home. And my wife's at the door and she says, I wasn't fast enough. I just turned my back for a minute. And he says, I brought my son to your disciples to see if they could cast it out. And they couldn't. And Jesus, bring the boy to me. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the child to me. And he immediately cast the demons out. The Bible says the disciples came to him privately saying, how come we couldn't cast it out? He says, because of your unbelief. Faithless and perverse generation, because of your unbelief. In other words, you've, you, you've allowed the culture, you become like your culture. If you become like your culture, you dilute your kingdom. If you become like your culture, you dilute your kingdom power. He says, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Jesus knew the secret of power was shabra da regere. The secret of power was prayer. Secret of power is the engagement of God. The reason we, we don't just are not just happy to get you saved. Why would we get you saved and then allow you to be kicked around and beat around by the storms and by the devil? The, the next thing that happens once you get saved is we want you to be filled with the Spirit of the living God, with the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Praise and intercedes through you so you get a prayer language. And that prayer language is so powerful. Romans 8.26 says, we don't know how to pray as we ought. So the Spirit Himself intercedes on our behalf with groanings and words that cannot be uttered. The most magnificent thing about the Holy Spirit is He will pray. Pastor Phil Pringle, who's a father in the faith to me, told of the story where in Sydney they were, they were trying to get their first building. They were trying to get their first land and there was so much warfare. And he was in prayer and he was in prayer and he was in prayer and he's in prayer. And he, he said it was, it was just, just fatigued. And the Holy Spirit kept saying to him, just, just sit down. He's like, no, 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 I've got to get breakthrough. I've got to, I've got to get this land. And the, the city keeps opposing us and they keep shutting us down. And the Holy Spirit said to him again, just sit down, just sit down. So he just sat down on the sofa. And he sat down, he was just so weary. And he says, all he did was just, and he just started praying in tongues. He said he opened his eyes and there was a man in front of him in the room. And he's like, who's that man? And he keeps praying in tongues. And then he listens to what the man is saying. And he realizes that the man is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And he says, as he's praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit is speaking directly with the Father, saying, shift this, bind that, move this, release that, bless this man. He is faithful. He is your servant. He needs to... See, Jesus says, I will send the Holy Spirit. I will send a helper. The Holy Spirit isn't a mist. He's not a force. He's a person. I spend most of my time praying in tongues. Most of my time praying in tongues. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't pray in English. Paul says, you know, I still pray with my, my understanding. But I found this, that when I pray in tongues, I yield to Him. 
He knows, First uh, Corinthians chapter 2 says, no one knows the things of God, but the Spirit of God. Likewise, no one knows the things of a man, but the Spirit of a man. If I want to know what, what uh, Mike loves, what, what his passion is, what, you know, the, the, the things that, that, you know, push his buttons, all I need to do is take Mike's spirit out of him and put his spirit in me. Oh my gosh, he loves, he really loves Katie. Oh my gosh, he's, my God, the guy's a genius. I don't even know how you put those things together. No one knows the things of God, but the Spirit of God. And the Bible says that Spirit now lives on the inside of you. The problem is that we get this thing in the way. They awoke Him. They awoke Him. If you said, hey, what's, what, what, what's the purpose of prayer? To awaken God. You think that He's waiting to awaken us. I think that we awaken once we awaken Him. And the last one, the last one, He said, uh, peace be still. Peace be still. He spoke, peace be still, and immediately there was a great calm. There's nothing like the Word of God. There's nothing like the words of Christ. That's why we, we don't follow the multitude. We don't follow what's popular. We don't follow the popular doctrines. The Bible talks about doctrines of demons. We follow whatever the Word says. If there's a theology and a doctrine that contradicts the Word of God, you've got to change your theology and doctrine. We're sticking with the Word of God. And then the Bible says the disciples were terrified. And they said, who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey Him? I've been walking with Christ for 35 years. 35 years I've been walking with Christ. I met Him on a beach. And His love, His grace blew my mind. 35 years later, I want you to know I read the Bible every day. And I'm just as hungry every day. Every day I see things I've never seen before, hear things I've never heard before. It's not like, oh, Jesus, yeah, <laughs> I've met him. Met him 35 years. Yeah, good guy. One of my favorite preachers tells the story. And in the story, he has a vision of heaven. And he sees the throne of God in heaven. God seated on the throne. And then he sees a picture of where the Bible says that the angels, the Bible says they circumference, they circle the throne of God. And he says, and the Bible says they cry one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Bible says that they do this in heaven where there's no time. They've been doing this for billions of years. And this preacher says, as he's watching this vision, he's noticing the angels are not just kind of going through like a, like it's a religious script. Holy, holy, holy. So look, I don't know. There he is. It's not like, you know, they're, they're kind of, this is just what they're paid to do. And, you know, uh, how you doing? Yeah, not bad, Gabriel. How are you, Michael? Yeah, good, good. Looking forward to getting away. Oh, where are you off to? Cloud nine. Cloud nine. I love cloud nine. It's my favorite holiday destination. Yeah, we're off to cloud med. Cloud med, oh man. That's, here we go. Holy, holy. That's, that's, I mean, if they've been doing this for billions of years, circling the, th this preacher said he saw something he'd never seen. He said he noticed that the angels, every time they would complete one lap, one circumference of the throne of God, he said they would fall on their faces and they would cry, holy, holy. He says, because every time, and this is for billions of years, 
every time they would complete one circumference, he said what would happen is they would see a facet of God they had never seen before. And the only expression they could master was to fall on their face and cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I want you to know, if you think you figured God out in your tiny little brain, that is not God. Let me tell you something. You will never put God in a box because the only people we put in boxes are dead people and God refuses to be dead. I'm telling you this, in the next thousand years, the next 10,000 years, in the next million years, your mind will be completely and continually blown away by the awesomeness of this God. The, the Jesus that you met, I'm telling you, there's so much more to Him. The greatest thing that can ever happen is you get to know Him more and more. Come on, I'm over time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word today. I thank You that You're drawing these beautiful, beautiful people closer to You. You know, I know this. I know that there are people here today. And we never preach for You just to hear. We never preach for You just to listen. We preach for two things. We preach for You to receive something and then to respond. To receive something and then to respond. Today, if you've received something, what God is looking for is your response. The first great response that we can make is, I want to make sure that Jesus is in my boat. Pastor, I've been wearing the skipper cap, and I need to make sure Jesus is in my boat. I've been skipper. I've been captain. Today, I want to make Jesus skipper and captain. If that's you, would you quickly just give me a wave of your hand? You know that God is speaking to you about doing that. Give me a wave of your hand. I'm going to say a prayer for you. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Who else is there? Thank you through there, ma'am. Thank you, darling. Who else is there? Would you raise your hand? Thank you, someone over there. Who else is there? Would you raise your hand? I'd love to pray for you. Make Jesus the skipper. Make Jesus the captain. Thank you over there. Thank you. Thank you through there. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? those that just raise their hands say these words with me say Heavenly Father in fact why don't we all say it come on everyone in the room Heavenly Father I want to thank you today you so love me that you sent Jesus Christ into the world to die on the cross to take away all my sin so that I could be forgiven cleansed delivered and healed Lord Jesus today take this cap I declare you're my captain, you're my skipper, and I'm the first mate. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.